Good morning, coffee moaners. You ready for a moan? Ready for a groan? Ready for a giggle? That's what we'll have here. We'll have some news. We'll have some silliness. We'll have um, a little debate. And um, I wish you could see what we could see, what we can see, but you're not allowed to yet. What? Look up there. What can you see? Here. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the beginning of the Christmas decorations. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell so that you don't miss Vlogmas, which starts terrifying, terrifyingly for us this Friday. So from this Friday, every day of the week until Christmas Day, we will be putting out our family reality show, family and friends reality show, all around everything to do with Christmas. It's a hoot, it's it's a soother, and it's escapism. And it doesn't cost you a penny, and it nearly kills us every year. So please do subscribe and actually watch it, because we know every year you love it. Yeah, I'm slightly, I'm slightly pooing myself about that. Can I just ask, is this broadcasting all right? Because we're staggering on our on our screen, mm. is it? Is it? Is it staggering your end? Because if it is, we're on StreamYard, which is a bit of a headache. Uh, so just just checking. For those of you listening, I'm just checking that our feed is is running smoothly. Have you started the decks, Vicky? Waiting. Well, I can't even begin to start talking about Christmas. I I have become a little bit kind of anal about it all. It needs to be well, a change. in such a way, and it needs to be in 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 this way. Uh, and and at this time, and I'm getting more and more, we're literally experiencing so much content trying to drive into all of our, our bits of kit that it's stressing us out. That's what we've spent the, an hour before this trying to get content out of a phone. Absolutely <laughs> horrendous. Um, but yeah, so yeah, what a weird weekend. So what, what happened this weekend? We went away for the weekend. Well, we went away for, for a birthday. night. Well, we one, one night, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which was nice. And oh my goodness. Well, Covent Garden was absolutely oh heaving. God. It was heaving like it was Christmas Eve and people were panicking to get the last bits and pieces of presents. That's how Christmassy it was. We, it saw, nice. we saw the beautiful tree in Covent Garden, which I have to say is absolutely breathtaking. Every year we say, oh, shall we put it into Vlogmas this year? They've seen it every year and then you... You, you land in Covent Garden, you're just like, it's so awesome. I don't use that word often, but it is awesome. Well, it it's look, huge. And it puts the one in, um, in Trafalgar Square to shame, because the one in Trafalgar Square is a spindly piece of sheet. It always is. The one from it's Norway. Norway that sends us that. They must be pissed off with us. We say it every year. Yeah. <laughs> what have we done to Norway? Yeah, well, um, but, so it was incredibly world. Christmassy. It was, um, it was actually difficult to move down the street now of course that was off the back of also the free palestine march so that there was a lot of that it was like it was it was a frenetic um city on saturday night police everywhere um very little again very very little um trouble which was great and we certainly didn't feel any trouble on the streets but it was lovely at one point this woman came up to me as does happen often, does I have to say, because, you know, people do come up to me and say hello. And I'd just like to say that it's lovely when you do, because she came up to me and she said she was with her family. Sorry, that's the coffee if you're wondering what that terrible noise is. And said, um, oh, Nadia, it's you. it is you, isn't it? Oh, hello, my family said I shouldn't say hello to you. And she had two sort of very lovely, lovely looking teenagers, but like, oh, God, mum. And I said, oh, no, absolutely, always come and say hello. It's lovely, you know, hello. I said, you're looking forward to Christmas? She went, no. 
We're teenagers. No, no magic. And so we're going to be talking about that over the weeks. And I think we should do a little podcast on that, actually, about about the magic of Christmas. And do we force it down our teenagers' throats? Because we want to have the same experience again as when they were little. We had a good conversation about that, didn't we? Because Lisa was here. She's going to be, she's going to be vlogmas. And, um, <clears throat> and that will lead us on to uh, Mark probably bursting into tears. Right. He can't bear to think that the kids have grown up and yeah, they're now is teenagers. It, is it a little bit like that thing where, you know, I think we talked about it once, didn't we, where research showed that kids actually don't want to go on holiday. With your parents. I think they're gonna, I think it's going to become the same about it's Christmas. A, a similar, well, I th- yeah. I don't know. <coughs> I, but, think, but, I think there's huge pressure. I don't, there I don't is. think there could be anything wrong, though, with parents wanting to keep it festive and childlike. How could that be a problem? Well, I said to the girls the other night, I said, how about this Christmas? We kind of just pretend your kids again and we all get dressed up in pyjamas and you know we do all the stuff mm. you know being careful here and i could see just for a split second they both went but then that thing comes in doesn't it about too being cool a cool yeah too cool but for school even was, with your parents i saw the moment and i'm gonna build on that moment but anyway i i thought i'd t- chat right. a little christmas just to just to ease yeah. us into the news yeah why well, can't i just stay with christmas I, I mean, I, I, you know, look, I mean, I, let's ask an honest question. Who here is sat here thinking, oh, my God, I dread Christmas? Because for a lot of families, this Christmas, the, sa- the, si- the sounds and signs of Christmas come with a sort of, uh, almost with a sort of grim reaper, don't they, at the back of you, kind of going, oh, my God. Because it is a time not only, yeah, it's a huge burden, but also it puts a huge financial, but also puts a huge burden on families, doesn't it? Because if you've got rifts, if you've got issues, if you've got, it, it puts everything under the microscope it's like moments of magic with deep crevices of dread and fear wow okay because there'll be a little spot all the first lights went, ah, and then you go into oh god oh right uh, yeah. yeah sounds like <laughs> so say it again deep deep, deep crevices of dread That's and fear what, yeah, what's what happens when I bend that over you fall into um, but we, we won't talk about too much about Christmas Day because, of course, we're going to be talking about non-stop come December 1st. No, 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 of course. But, of course, we're getting there. We're getting there. And it's that sort of, we are in the, ad- does Advent come from adventure? Do you think the word adventure comes from the word Advent? I think it might do. Mm. I saw an Advent calendar the other day Don't and I'm already so. ruining the day that I didn't pick it up and buy it. I told they you. go so quickly. I said you buy it now because every year you get too late. Oh, and it was one of those Leo, it was one of those lint ones, you know, with the, with the mm-hmm. bunny rabbits. Mm-hmm. I have to say, they're very uninventive out there. Natalie Mottel, happy birthday, sweetheart. Oh, look, I've brought my kids up to get just as excited about Ooh. Christmas. Oh, Laura Stewart and my kids get just as excited. Well, ours do, but only a couple of days before, don't they? Yeah. And it's hard because our eldest is born on Christmas Day, so she... It just has to be so special. I never think I, I never. She's lovely and she's really. She was like, Mom, I don't need anything. Don't buy. She doesn't ask for a lot. But I always feel like. I fucking love Christmas. I, I love gonna... it. I just love it. I've always loved it. But it is hard. Look, Karen Rogers. Oh, no, not Karen Rogers. Sorry, Karen. Sorry to give you a moment there. I'm dreading it, says Claire Sharard. 
Uh, divorced families, my family don't like my partner, so we can't have the date. Oh, God, can't have the day together. He's divorced, so we have to split time with kids. Oh. It's Well, we've been there, believe me. Yeah, um, it's very hard. Karen Rogers, I said we wouldn't do Christmas Eve boxes or stockings after they were met with a nonplussed, ungrateful reaction last year. Well, my 19-year-old is aghast that I won't do them. Well, this is the weird well, thing. Well, this is the thing. Now, these Christmas Eve boxes, I've got a real problem with them because oh. I think... Well, I only just found out about them last year. I think they must have been going a couple of years. I think this has been an Instagram construct that has given people even more pressure. So you get a box on Christmas Eve with pres- Christmas Eve oh presents in. But, but also in, in a lots of uh, 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 European yeah. countries, other European, the, the Christmas Eve box is the presents. You don't then get them on Christmas Day. And I just think it's put a lot of pressure on people. Do you know what? Yesterday... I was looking around for fun sort of Christmas dog outfits because I know you guys just, you love them and so do we. And I was like, oh, look at this. We get a whole set of pyjamas, right, for the family and yeah. a matching dog. We never do that sort of stuff. And I yeah. thought, oh, this will be really funny to do this. So it was 20% off. It was this. It was that. Put everything in. For the four of us to have pairs of pyjamas and a matching, it's going to be something like 150 quid. And it wasn't an expensive shop. It was just like... Bog standard. Jeez, wow. You Bog know, standard. Just wow. And people have this pressure to buy the new pyjamas for Christmas Eve and to do this and to do that. And I really want to do stuff on Vlogmas this year on how to be the rebel against that, how to do something the complete opposite, you know, because I just think... I've never heard of a little I've never heard of a little We just constantly set up these traps to fall into to spend more money. Yeah. I've never Huge. heard. I've never heard of Christmas boxes. I mean, our decorations we have a lot, but we've built them up over years, and we occasionally buy one or two, don't we? Each yeah. year, a silly one, and then you guys buy some. But you know, all these every year, a different thing on your door, a different thing on your. It's like. Well, must, hang on a minute. What are you? From what I hear, you're planning something different this year. What are you talking about? Yes, but we've begged, borrowed, stealed, stolen, and budgeted. I'm, you know what? There's going to be fights and fisticuffs this Christmas. Fights and fisticuffs. I'm not liking it. Okay. All right. Well, right. yeah. What? Just a bit of Monday Christmas. Oh, you know what? Look, it's been such a stressful morning. I haven't even put in the title what we're doing. All right. So we are going to, obviously, moaning. we are going to talk about the hostage release and the Palestinian captive release. And we're also going to talk about something, an article that Mark found around, and this was, was it the Archbishop, talking about how people don't want funerals anymore. Now, this isn't a story about how we want to be buried. We've done that. Yeah. This is a story about why aren't people, obviously, and it's not about just the financial, but it's about the feeling, the philosophical feeling, what, what a funeral is about. Are we losing touch? Are we losing connection? Are we losing the need? Yeah. To have that kind of healing feeling. And also Grace Dent has left the jungle. So we want to have a chat with you about that. Should we start with Grace? I think Grace has not looked happy for a long time. I, 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 I've been so distressed and perturbed by Grace because I, I was mentioning this on Coffee Morning on Saturday. And I just thought, bless her. She's, I've never seen anyone look more diametrically opposed to being in the jungle than her. Well, on the first day, I first show I was like oh my god I didn't realize she was like that I always thought she was like a really posh bird I loved her oh I see no well she was just like she was so 
Not that I don't like posh people. <laughs> that sounds awful. Like I don't like no, but I just wasn't expecting her to be. I, I, I liked her for purely, purely, purely selfish reasons because she just gave so many great reviews of so she's many given, shows I made. She's given great reviews to you, <laughs> but I didn't know that. Yeah, but anyway, I thought, oh, I really, really good. like her. And then we could we missed a few episodes. And then we saw it on Friday and she looked... It was like a totally different person from the Monday to Friday because we missed, what, three or four shows. She looked so ill. She looked furious. I think, no, I don't think she looked furious. I think she looked like she was hanging on with her yeah. fingernails yeah. to be able to bear it. And um, I'm just so gutted that we've missed the bits in between. We don't know what the medical grounds are, but she has left on medical grounds. But apparently there's been an, an enormous number of people who've rung in and written to the show sort of saying, what's wrong with her? She doesn't look well. She doesn't look well. She did look ill. She looked but, ill. But, but what I wanted to say about this is, again, and I know I've said this before, but I think that it's really important that, because I think people can be terribly unkind mm. to people in um, reality shows not realising you've got no idea what might be going on in that person. Um, I feel that very much about um, Nella as well. You know, you just... and. You know, having done a reality show and, you know, you get sleep deprived. She's very slim anyway, isn't she? She's not when you haven't eaten enough. All sorts of stuff could be going on for you. And being put into a very magnified situation could magnify anything that you might have buried. Or So I, I, I really feel for her because it's going to go on and on now about why she left and watching people are going to pick over it. But I just think it's... Just like in life, we never know what private hell people are going through. Yeah. And the bits and pieces I've seen about Avnella, I think she's really struggling as well. Zoe says, Nella doesn't have to be nasty, though. So has she been really nasty? Has she been nasty? I mean, I know there was the whole Fred Sirex. Which I just thought was just, just, she just massively overreacted. Christine Bett, Nella is very rude from what I've seen. Mm. Uh, Minky Moo about Grace. She should have picked an easy reality show. I mean, I do think there is I that... I don't think people realise. No, I don't think people do realise. say that, but they don't realise. But I don't think you can also have a go at the public if the public feel, well, what do you mean? Because in the public's mind, you're being paid a lot of money, you're going in, it's a privilege... You know, lots of people can cope with it. And I suppose, you know, it is it is the bear pit, isn't it? It's a gladiatorial thing that you're entering into. So you part of the deal, part of the transaction is you're going to be, how you come across and how you go down is going to be talked about. I mean, she knows that. She was a TV critic. She'd be talking about herself in her articles for sure. I mean, the thing about Nella, and I've only, I, I, I'm not really an authority on this because I've seen the argument with Nigel, which I loved. I saw the argument with um um, what's his name? French guy. Fred Sorex, Fred Sorex, I think, which, which clearly was just her totally triggered and totally overreacted massively, no doubt about it. And she was harsh and rude with him. Um, but there is something about somebody as well that doesn't do fake showbiz. Which is refreshing. <laughs> Um, I, I hate rudeness. I really hate it. If I see someone being rude to somebody, I don't mind somebody yeah. being rude to their equal. Yeah. But within the hierarchy of showbiz, I don't mind at all. Two people that are at the same point in the hierarchy going at each other, fine. Ah, but that's a good, good... What I can't bear is when 
people are like that somebody they know very well can't answer back because it affects their job and all of that. But isn't that an interesting? finished but, me. If they but do. isn't that an interesting thing though in terms of reality show? Because what you're looking at here is a are people of unequal kind of stature, if you like. So I mean, Nella Rose might be a successful YouTuber, but she doesn't have the sort of life experience or the ability to say manipulate, manage and curate their public image in the way that Nigel mm. Farage has been trained. Oh so so although they're, they're all equals insofar as they're all called celebrities, um, their, their life experiences are still incredibly, so dramatically different. But it's weird, isn't it? If I saw her talking to Sam say, is a younger version of you, Mark. That irritates, I mean, I love him. He's there are some similarities. But my God, if I'm in any way as annoying as him, that is annoying. No, you're not. But he is, in my opinion, watching him with no medical um, credentials whatsoever, I believe, from his behaviour that he's ADHD. Oh, thank you, Mr. <laughs> yeah. Sidney. Thank you, Mr. I'm pleased you said that, Faith, because we haven't been following it or watching it um, properly or in detail. Faith says it's still only the two occasions, really, with Nella. I think that's all we see. So this is all spiralling out of two Does moments. anybody feel that there is anything racist going on? I don't know because I've not watched it enough. We're going to pick up and start watching it regularly. But does anybody feel oh, Laura, that? Laura, he is ADHD. He's done a show on it. He's oh. He is diagnosed. Oh. Oh, he's diagnosed. Yeah. Oh, great. Oh, yeah, no, I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I, but you know what I see in him as well with the ADHD traits, sensitivity, dysphoria, it hurts him so deeply if he thinks he's hurt somebody or upset somebody he's totally petrified he's of like sweet. doing anything wrong i love him oh, he's very sweet i love him but when he was asked that i said the one i did see was when he was asked to kind of calm down by the other person and be be this vanilla I and know. then he came back into the camp literally with I, his arms no but he was like he was straight, like straight yes like help me yeah. i don't know how yes. to not be oh, yeah, annoying he wanted to do it i loved him yeah, that was really sweet we, we should get him on here. We'll need to have a chat with him about ADHD. Oh, that's really sweet. Anyway, as I say, we're not going to fully know why Grace Dent's left, but I'm sure there'll be some kind of interview or chat with her or whatever. Um, but, yeah, no, sad. So when is the first eviction? Because I think that's going to be interesting. When is the first eviction? Uh, Nella has been using the race card, says Anne-Marie Lucker. Uh, Lee Durant, if Fred would have called Nella a weirdo, there would have been uproar and Fred would have been blasted. Mm. Right. No, I mean, I genuinely didn't know. I just wondered if anyone's feeling that. Mm, mm. Um, okay. Um, we will get. We will draw our own opinion. Just, just a couple. Tell of, you it. <laughs> just a couple of other things. I just want to pass through. I, mean, I only want to say this. This is really. I don't know if it is just for me. I just want to just pay respect to Terry Venables died over the weekend. I thought this was this was interesting that his death in no way. Mer I mean, obviously, uh, Bobby Charlton was part of the 1966 World Cup team and everything, but. Terry Venables was a massive, massive figure in sport. And I was quite surprised that his death didn't generate more sport. Maybe it did in the sporting world. I mean, you know, he nearly steered England to victory. Um, he was, a, And he was one of those characters, going back to your thing, of people who don't just sort of polish what they're saying and think mm. about and are careful. He obviously managed the team I've supported over the years, Tottenham. Um, and I, I always quite liked him. I, I, I thought, I, I, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I'm sure there have been tributes. I just... Given the press and coverage that we get for sporting people who die as sporting heroes, uh, Terry Venables dying at 80, I thought was sad. It was a, a, that was an era from my childhood, an mm. era from my childhood. And I liked his kind of, he just spoke from the hip. Spoke from the hip. I loved him, says Minky Me. Mm. Um, so sadly, Durant was a wonderful player uh, and a wonderful manager. He was, he really understood people. He wasn't about business, he was about people. 
Uh, Bernie B, Nella is wonderful people, really. I, I think Nella's fantastic. Mm, I, I, what I've seen, I like her. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's, yeah, just a little moment there for Terry Venables, who died at aged 80 after uh, they sang after a long illness. But um, Okay, so let's move to, um, he, he'd probably have some choice words about funerals, actually, Terry, Terry Venables. <laughs> he never, never pulled his punches. Um, this this story is in the Times. This is the death of the funeral. As, as I say, we've talked about the dip, the changing sort of appetite for the types of funerals that we have, but this is just something where uh, the most most reverend. Can I imagine being called that? Do you think when he walks in, he goes, "Hello, the most reverend, mm-hmm. most reverend Justin Wilby, not the highly reverend, but most reverend." He said he was shocked with the studies from a uh, with the results from a study from a religious think tank, which asked two and a half thousand people whether they wanted some kind of funeral service or not. Um, More than half said they didn't want one or weren't sure, um, which he said was quite shocking. I think he was was alarmed and he was uh, worried that society is now forgetting how to cope with loss. And there was a really interesting quote from him at the end where he said, it's shocking to discover that death may be seen as expensive, time-consuming and irrelevant. He also said that the report prepares us for a future in which death is increasingly taboo, grief shameful, possibly managed by technology, a future of grief bots. Wow. And this is, there is this, there are these developments in AI where people are trying to keep people beyond the grave, aren't they? They're sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, you sort of, you input your sort of um, information in and and then they, and then they keep you sort of alive in a sort of AI fashion. Um, the report's authors also noted that death is often something that's hidden, takes place behind closed doors. It would have been more common to gather at a loved one's deathbed. If funerals were one of the few places where death was openly and com- communally acknowledged in modern Britain, they are too, they too are now becoming less common. And this is that thing, again, we have a number of Irish followers, don't we, where, where members of the family lay at rest for a period of time. I mean, that, that, that's a huge... What are your thoughts, guys? Are you, are, are, do you... I mean, if I think about death, I, I must admit, I just think I want to be the least problematic thing for everyone I leave behind. I just want it to be up, over and done with. I mean, your mum and dad are incredibly pragmatic about it, aren't they? Your mum's just like, oh, I just... My mum's always been pragmatic about death. She doesn't fear it. She doesn't think about it. She goes, you're gone, you're gone, and this is that, and this is that. But, um, but she talked she... about that one where she says they just come and pick you up. Do you remember she sat at the table and said, oh, for God's sake, I just want them to come and pick me up like a delivery and take me off. <laughs> yeah. But what, what, interests, what, what interests me in that, in what he said there, is about the grief. Yes. You become grief yeah. averse. Grief averse. And that, I think, is so interesting because really? it's, it's like, you know, come on, uh, seen that, done that, move on, move on, move on. And it's like I always say, grief, grief is the strangest curling winding road mm. that can go that goes on for years and years and years the the, the rise and fall of it is so bizarre mm. you know both mark and i have lost people very close and you know decades ago and a few years ago and just the way that it comes and goes and i said to mark the other day i feel like i can no longer talk about well for very soon after that it just becomes this sense that you have to pack it away Mm. Mm. and I think that if we lose that with the funeral as well then we really could get it really could get 
into a really sticky place. And, you know, in the Middle East, where my father's from, of course, you, you bury on the day. Mm. So they bring in whalers, professional whalers, and people wail and to get people crying because they're still in the shop and then, yeah. then they have the burial. And then I, oh, I can't remember how many days it is. It's a lot of days, 40 days or something. People mm. come and visit every day. The house is open and people just come and they mm. would talk and they would eat and they would cry. And I just think that's such a beautiful thing. Exhausting. Well, Exhausting as well, but... Well, look, a number of people from Ireland here, Zoe's saying Irish funerals are chaos. Um, mm-hmm. Often the best parties, Catherine Cronin, are Ireland, in Ireland are at the wakes. Mm-hmm. We, a lot of people are saying we do funerals really well in Ireland. Oh, here we go, Nora Doyle, Because I'm you Irish. feel, you cry, you Which laugh. Is, I sort of think storytelling some music. we laughed our heads off. Yeah. And, and um, I've been to other funerals like where, oh, my God, I didn't realise everything's got to be totally sombre for every second. Mm. That I would hate. I would absolutely hate to think that I would have any funeral where everyone thinks they've got to be sad. Do you think one of the, I don't think it necessarily happens on the day of the funeral. But do you think one of the problems with it, maybe, is that it isn't just about a loss of kind of t- being in touch with your kind of emotional side or your soulful side or, or or not being able to manage grief and go through the important... Because grief teaches us things, you know. Lose, losing people teches us things, you know. You know death, doulas I, talk, hang on, yeah. death doulas talk about all of this kind of stuff. But, you know, is, is part of it, p- perhaps, you know... Is part of it more to do with the fact that actually it's the religious side of it, but also in England specifically, it's that part of that stiff upper lip thing. It's about actually, I th- I've been to many funerals, many of the sort of formal British English funerals I've been to. It's a, it feels although there's a process. This is supposedly about grief. It's a very, very dictatorial sort of grief. You've got to do it this way, in this way, buttoned up, feel it here, move on. And I think that's part of the problem is the way in which funerals happen. And I think rather than Welby being a not, sort of shocked and surprised, he should maybe look to his own church and go, well, what could we do to jazz, not jazz it up, but do you remember that play we saw about the, what was it called, the Jamaican in, in the West oh, Indies? the Nine Nights. The Nine Nights. And that play was fantastic. Mm. It's about music. It's oh, about Judy together, always tells me all about that. I love, yeah. I love it. I love, I love, I'm finding out so much more about West Indian culture mm. And I just so much of it I love. She mm. did about the parties. Mm. Oh my god! So um, Zoe says the Irish look at it as a celebration of life more yeah. than feeling sad. And I think that's possibly the reason why so many people in the UK do feel maybe feel like that. I'd be interested to know what the sort of ethnic mix of that of that survey is because um, I think there are ways of doing it in a way that's celebratory mm. and enjoyable, rather than cold and musty and in a damp smelling church mm. where everyone's cold and you have to line up listening to. Songs and often if you you're don't... not religious, just to hear the droning on of passages being read mm. that don't relate in any way to your feelings or the person that you've lost. I think yeah. I think that's the thing. We have to really think about new and different humanist ways to do it for those yeah. people that aren't religious. Because uh, at the moment it feels like you either go to church or yeah. what do you do? Yeah. You know? Aaron Bullamore makes a really good point. Perhaps people just don't feel like they have to publicly grieve anymore. I'd hate to go to a funeral. I don't want to grieve in front of my whole family. I don't know all of them. That's a really good point. Private mm-hmm. grieving. Mm-hmm. Private. I mean, I, I've never been one of those people who sort of said, I think it's really important that you go. I Absolutely not. I, you know, I've gone to some and I've gone not gone to others. And weirdly, I would say I've had more success dealing with the grief of those I didn't go to than the ones I did. Oddly. It's odd. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Oh, we try to keep that yeah, slightly there's, cheerful. There's more to talk about in that, though. It's a good subject. Yeah. But listen, we are on a really tight schedule today. So we're just going to touch on anybody, because, you know, we say we're going to keep Palestinian, uh, the Palestinian-Israeli situation to the end of each coffee morning, because we know a lot of people don't want to engage in it now. Um, so if you want to, you can leave now and we'll see you tomorrow for Coffee Morning, hopefully at 9.30 again. Um, and of course, at the end of this, we will sing, there's a birthday that I've got here. Oh, well, let's do that before we do. We do, we do? Should we do it? It's, yeah. uh, let me just, I think it's Natalie. Natalie Mottel. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Natalie. Happy birthday to you. I think it's your 50th, I remember. Okay, so yes, the news over the weekend. Obviously, the hostage crisis is is, is moving along. The the sort of pause in hostilities. There's the possibility that it could be prolonged. I think we're at something. What are we at now? We're, we're sort of a quite quite a few hostages and quite a few Palestinian um, uh, captives um, have been exchanged. Um, and Hamas are suggesting that they want to promote. Uh, you know prolong this process by a deal that they've struck via Qatar with Israel, which is for every 10 new hostages they release, there can be another day's cessation of hostilities. A um, couple of couple of develop, you know, sort of bits and bobs around this that are really important to talk about. Obviously, there was a huge march yesterday against anti-Semitism um, in central London. Uh, tens of thousands were there, lots of celebrities. Uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson was there too. Um, it was, it was, I think what was really interesting about this, obviously it was, you know, uh, people like, uh, Eddie Marson, uh, Maureen Lippmann, um, and, and obviously on Saturday there was the Palestinian, Palestinian march too. I think it's really important to sort of, I just wanted to mention something about this because I, I noticed the Telegraph published a, a description of the march the other day, trying to sort of draw a real kind of comparison and distinction between the calmness of one and the and the desperate search for a lack of calmness, I feel, in the in the in the other peace marches. Obviously, both groups and both sides of this debate are coming from different positions. For example, obviously, um, you know, uh, anti-Semitism is on the rise, Islamophobia is on the rise, and we would all agree, and we we would all, um, you know, bang the drum for for either one of them. And I think it's you know, it's, I think it's great. I think it's great that we've got marches for both sides of this, uh, both demanding peace. I think the devil is in the detail. Um, I think uh, I'd be curious to know how many people marching against anti-Semitism would also be marching for a ceasefire. I didn't see any any signs for ceasefires there. Um, so again, I think you know, I think what's happening here is we got we're getting to a point now where you really are on one side of the equation or not. And uh, I think there are very few people. And I just wanted to quickly ask a question: Is anyone here? Does anyone is anyone's position on this crisis? Just quickly, we're not going to talk to, for too long about this. But is anyone's position on this crisis? Do you, are you like you know when they talk about floating voters in the election? Are you at a place on this where if you were to know more, um, you could if you were to know more about the history, about the context, about what's going on, about the details, not the propaganda that can be put out by both sides. Are you in a position where your opinion entrenched. on right and wrong, are you, you so mean? entrenched? Exactly. Do you find yourself like, are you definitely in this camp or definitely in that camp? Or are you in that middle where you're like, well, actually, if I could get more of a kind of reliable sense of things. Yeah, it's, it's been really interesting this. for me because a number of um, my friends have said to me, do you know what? I had no, I knew mm. nothing about the history here. And 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 my heart is really warmed by by them going and, finding out about it, which I think is, I think a lot of people are doing. 
Which, um, of course, is in and of itself incredibly troublesome. That's not a that's not a straightforward thing, because where you go to find your news, you're going to find the news that is the mainstream news. And I think one of the things that we've discovered in this, Sophia Grant, you're in the middle, is that you know so much of the news gets tilted in one direction or the other, and you know, and that's on both sides. You know, I think I would say that this is one of those odd conflicts where I think most people <clears> on the Israeli side of things feel that social media perhaps has pivoted much more towards Palestine. And most people on the Palestine side of things feel that the mainstream media is very much behind the Israeli side of things. I think what's really important to be, to remind ourselves of is 120 plus countries in the world are calling for a ceasefire. And there are pretty much three or four that aren't. That's incredible. Isn't and it? I think when it's you really- think about that. What, and and I, how dismissive yeah. we are of that number. Yeah. That in itself, who do we all think we are? And I The think, Brits, the Americans. I mean, it's like, Israel, yeah, yeah there's just not really much discussed about the 120 countries that do want a ceasefire. And I've said it before, I think what's really dark and, and tricky about that is um, an exceptionalism still exists for, and I hate to use this phrase, essentially countries that were in the past colonial nations led by white men, um, which let's not forget, you know, that's very much one of the perceptions of Israel in terms of its creation. And I think it's just really important, you know, if you are in the middle, trying to find, trying to make sure you find your sort of background news is really important. I mean, for example, if you went to the Telegraph to read a history of the Palestine crisis for the last 75 years, it sure as hell ain't going to be unbiased, uh, as as isn't perhaps you know Middle East. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to kind of find. Do you know? Do you know the accounts that I really, I really, really love are the Jewish um, accounts that are desperate for this to come to an end because mm. they are, are honestly the way that they sum up what is going on the. Fairness and mm. Daniel Mate, he's so wonderful, isn't he? He's he like is the, fantastic. The, the you know that incredible thing that the Jewish spirit has to be able to forgive, to be able to move on, to be able to, you know that that needs to be, you know, garnered. And there are really brave mm. Jewish um, people, for, uh, you know, arguing for a ceasefire, and they get uh, they are getting so slammed for it. But mm. um, if you follow um, Jewish Jewish. Uh, is it Justice for Peace? What's it called, mm. Mark? The one we we follow. Um, they actually shut down Manhattan Bridge yes. yesterday, and yeah, they yeah, say yeah, they're yeah. not going to move until a ceasefire. I don't know mm. what's happened yet. They did a live on that. Mm. Um, Daniel Mate, very interesting to listen to. Um, so you know, we I, I love to look at, I love to listen to Israeli people and Jewish people as much as I do Palestinian, mm. because guess what? That's how this gets resolved mm. in the end. Or not resolved. Because if people don't listen with an open heart to each other, you know, and there's an anti-Semitism march, brilliant. There was a Free Palestine march, brilliant. Very little aggravation from either of those two massive groups of people. Brilliant. Mm. Brilliant. Mm. You know, my heart breaks on what people message me about the Islamophobia that they that they are going through. You know, there will be people off the telly who are getting their, you know, Jewish people, you know, messaging Jewish people. But the great thing is if we all share that and it doesn't become just literally this side or that side. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so again, I'm going to po- post a whole load of accounts today on my Instagram if you fancy um, 
you know, if you fancy just just getting a bit more of an idea than the mainstream media is able or even wishes mm. to to hand out. Steph makes a good point. Ashamed of the countries that say no to ceasefire, but bloody proud of the power of the average person. Together, yeah. we are the change. And I post- Do you know what? Can I just say something? It was this beautiful little boy walking through Gaza the other day. It was silent. And he was talking to this guy's family. Went, and he was like, this is eyes wide open. He said, there's no sound. Mm-hmm. Listen, there's nothing. There's no helicopter. There's no... Oh my God, I had to go upstairs and I had to really properly cry because mm. I thought, we're in two days. Believe you me, it's going to go crazy again. Mm. And to what, when will it end? Mm. When is the end date? Well, How can't... many more thousands? Is this still self-defence? That Those are the questions we have to keep asking ourselves and asking the people in power and demanding from MPs, going on uh, walks, strikes, whatever, because that is the question. When does it end? Hmm, exactly. What is the marker? What is the marker what is in the, the sand? Marker? And Nobody's what... ever fucking answered well, that question. Well, and I think the thing that we've got, unfortunately, coming towards us is, is a squeezing of southern Gaza with an inability to go north, which, I mean, you only have to kind of do basic science to work out where does displace, how does displacement work? You squeeze more and more into smaller space. Where do they go? Um uh, just, I posted a, I posted a sort of one of those kind of, you know, meme kind of comments the other day, but I thought it was a really good one to post. It said, uh, too often when we listen, we listen in order to reply rather than listen in order yeah, to like understand. That. And I think that's what's required in all of this. It's, it goes back to that thing of better to be kind than right. And I think there's an awful lot of people wanting to be right on this where, where actually kindness needs to creep in. And I thought Daniel Matteo made a really important point yesterday where he was, he's, he's incredibly vociferous about how he feels the Israeli government is doing the biggest disservice to the Jewish community. Um, And he talks about how the Jewish heart and the Jewish sentiment and the Jewish culture is absolutely actually in heart opposed to the Israeli government's policy. And I think, you know, the fact, you know, when you hear um, incredibly articulate, intelligent, thoughtful people like him and his father talking about this crisis from Mm. from that perspective, it's not about, you know, oh, finding someone in that camp that supports your thought. This is about humanity. Yeah. And it's also about not ignoring the history. You can't from ignore a human the history. Position. A Jewish voice for peace. Jewish that Jewish was the one. And I've got a number, actually. And they're, they're, they're a great organization. And they, they care so deeply about human beings. Um, mm. But listen, guys, we really do have yeah. to go. We've got a really busy day today. So um, thank you so much for joining us. Love and peace always. Let's all try and listen to each other more without raging. Not reply. Let's try and understand. All right, guys, we're going to sit here and wave as we 